The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 60. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sentence was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everybody, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter, a.k.a. Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today we're discussing The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 4, The Siege. Joining me on t- today on the panel are Mike Creevy. Hey, Mike. Hey, Father. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Second up this evening is Thomas Sanherjo. Hey, Father. Howdy, howdy. And third and finally this evening, we have Angela Cialana. Hello, class. Who can name a trade route? The Hidden Way? <laughs> yes. yes. Mr. I Legends. Think, I think. I well, would just raise I, my hand and yell out McClunky. McClunky. <laughs> I'm still, everything at this point. <laughs> I'm still on that. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of that, uh, this past week was Life Day, indeed, on November 17th. And, of course, that meant that uh, Disney Plus has released the Star Wars Lego Holiday Special on Disney Plus. So hopefully you all get a chance to go check that out and enjoy that with your family. We also recorded a special holiday special episode of our own, which is what Mike was referring to. We were all on the podcast last night recording this episode. And so we have our own holiday special to share with you discussing all things Life Day and, of course, the the new Lego uh, Star Wars holiday special. And we are going to make it available early as an exclusive to our patrons um, at patreon.com slash starquest as a thanks for their generous support that makes this podcast possible. So if you'd like to hear that and you're not yet a patron, definitely uh, do so and go to patreon.com slash starquest. And it is definitely going to be coming soon. And it will also uh, release on the normal podcast feed later on this year. But patrons have exclusive early access to it. So to get you all in the, the life day holiday spirit. So we had a blast recording it last night. So oh, I, hope, fun. I hope you guys all <laughs> yeah, enjoy definitely. it, too, when you listen to it. There are some big surprises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So back to the Mandalorian, because there were also some big surprises in this episode as well, which oh, was yes. really cool to get to. So, um, of course, uh, first of all, I mean, just in general, what what did you guys think of this episode? We got the return of Dank Farrick. Uh It's still making an appearance. <laughs> and... Um, uh, I thought it was good old Star Wars. You know, there was action, there was daily life, uh, humor, um, themes of right and wrong. Uh, love the humor, though, in this episode. Uh, a lot of great little moments here and there um, that really sort of made this especially memorable, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was... Um, uh, and I don't want to mention anything specific because we'll do that, but... Um, right off the bat um you know it just 
really, I think, organically brought uh, the child. I, I'm I go back and forth. I, I I'm not apologetic about calling him Baby Yoda. I know, <laughs> but if, if it slips, you know, and he's right he's right over here, over my shoulder as usual, back in the background. But uh, um, everybody talked about I think in the first episode of the season how he was a little more muted, uh, not you know tucked away in a, in a way that didn't make sense. I think it really fit in that episode. Um, and you know, like there, there's, he's stolen the show so much, understandably, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's called the Mandalorian, you know, and, and we were talking before, I think even just in the second or third episode, like they've done such a good job at really keeping that, that front and center that this, this is really Mando's show. You know, it's really in a sense about him. Um, and everybody else is, is part of that. But this one, I really felt like they, they really kind of, opened it up and really kind of gave him some awesome screen time. Some of my favorite the the, the whole show mm-hmm. so far, both seasons. Absolutely. Um, but, it, but even with that, it wasn't a whole lot of screen time, you know, and it, and it's so nested within the relationship with him and, and, and Din, you know, mm-hmm. and so I'm sure all those themes we'll get into later, but the, I just really like those, especially, you know, seeing the mm-hmm. two of them as this little team, you know, right. um, is, is really special. Well, I like the, the email we got this last week from one of, our, one of our listeners, Catherine, equated Mando to St. Christopher. And I thought yeah. that was such a fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I didn't catch that one. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, it's it's the Mandalorian with this little uh, this little figure on his shoulder that is kind of the mm-hmm. the future of the force. Um, so that was a really neat uh, thought. And then going into this episode, like with that thought, you kind of see that same thing, although it, it opens with a questionable fathering <laughs> decision. <laughs> um, uh, by the by, Din. But other than that, it was pretty good. You know, he's, he is he does care for the for the child, and it's the top of his list of priorities. Uh, the thing I really liked about this episode was if you pay attention, you know the twist at the end of the episode early because yes, yes. this is a research facility, and it, you know it's a research facility because it's a research facility just like the one that was in Rogue One. It's the same structure no. of it and everything like that. So you go, oh, hey, that's not a barracks. That's a research facility. <laughs> Good catch. Yeah. I was, I was like, hey, I, this is, this is going gonna to turn on them as they get through there. See, I thought you were referring to the ominous music that's played when the repairman goes to the Razorcraft, and I totally oh, called yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that <laughs> twist I totally had, but <laughs> the other one, I, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great catch. Um. Did you guys notice? And I think what I what I loved about this episode, and I'll I'll point them out as we go through. But there were a bunch of callbacks to to A New Hope. So like it, I mean, uncanny how many callbacks there were to A New Hope. It, it was it was very obviously intended to be that way. So um, definitely has that 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 Star Wars uh, feel. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Baby Yoda kind of stole it for me this time as well. <laughs> I imagine, uh, Thomas and Mike, you wouldn't let your toddler uh, try to help you fix your... your the wiring note. The wiring note. The electrical. Nope, nope. Well, I love, I, I love, I my wife barely lets me touch the electrical. <laughs> I just love how it comes out of, um, you know, like your your intro and like just black and before anything you hear that like classic like dying starship sound effect mm-hmm. you know before you even see it and then like and he's talking to him and it's just like where where is he and the way they swing around and they zoom and you see him i'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh and it's funny because today 
you know, we're putting candles in the windows and, uh, you know, I look over at one point and Noelle's got like the plugs and she's going to like plug it in. And I'm like, honey, um, why don't you let me do that? And she's like, yeah, I don't want to get zapped like baby. Yoda. Nice. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this is too uncanny here. So Life yeah, lessons. that was fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things when your kids always want to help, though. So, you know, and, and then on the on the turn of that, too, that's a tiny little crawl space. And, yeah. you know, yeah. Dan was doing the best he could mm-hmm. with the equipment that he had. I've, I don't think I've ever rewound a Star Wars scene so many times. <laughs> you know, like this invader at the end of Rogue One are the two scenes I've probably just watched for their own merit the most already. You know, and the puppet work on it, just his, like, he's trying yeah. so hard. Like, he's like, no, take the red wire. Huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> don't get them close to you. Don't get them close to each other. No. <laughs> yeah, that was great direction. You just see Manda's helmet with, like, smoke coming out. That was great. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and I've I've jumped in enough vehicles to, like, to to have that same sort of fear with, with jumper cables of not wanting to touch the two poles. Uh-huh. It reminded me a little of when uh, in the office when Michael Scott's trying to explain like how to jump a car in a video for his future son, you know, <laughs> and he's like, and then you take this one and you put it here and then you put this one just anywhere. And I'm like, no, that's not. <laughs> so a couple of points before we really jump into the recap. Uh, this episode was also written by John Favreau. So he's he's got most writing credits for I think I think he's got yeah. them all so far for this season. Yeah. Um, but this was directed by carl weathers so mm-hmm. uh grief carga uh he was not the first actor in the mandalorian to also direct though that mm. would be taika watiti who of course does the voice for um ig11 back in in season one uh but that's that's pretty cool that that he got a, to direct this this episode it's called the siege and i'm sort of baffled as to why it was called the siege i don't know if you guys picked up on what was meant by that so i it, it it was very much more go in blow up the the research facility and leave and I, I i don't i don't quite know what they were i don't know did you guys have any thoughts well what's the definition of a siege <laughs> that's my question because <laughs> I, I just i just assumed it it applied to that particular situation like originally weren't they wanting to get weaponry from that facility wasn't all, that kind all of that all that grief point? wanted was he wanted the empire off his planet right uh-huh. um he just wanted him done so he didn't, he didn't want anything to do with the black market weapons okay, okay. so a siege yeah. is uh, according to google it too yep. according to, <laughs> to google dictionary <laughs> but, Wait, but i'll do it without google you know. i'll do it without google it's when you attack a fortress and you keep it in place like you make the people inside wait and they they have to either come out and attack you or they have to starve inside the fortress. Yep. So, so think it would of, require a large force. Think of uh, Jericho in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. They they siege Jericho for for right. a number of uh, I think it was like a week. Um, but yeah, so so the Google definition is a military operation in which enemy forces surround a town or building, cutting off essential supplies with the aim of compelling the surrender of those inside. So so maybe so not what they do. It's, right. <laughs> it's from the perspective of like Moff Gideon, maybe. I was trying to think more meta and go that route, but I still, uh, it, yeah. I don't know. It feels a little. Hmm. Well, so, another, another, <laughs> another, deep, another deeper dive, a military blockade of a city or a fortress with the intent of conquering by attrition or a well-prepared assault. Ah, well, maybe that's pretty well-prepared assault, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. This is more a sapping, technically speaking. Right. Yeah. That's a <laughs> 
That's, <laughs> that's when you go in and you destroy a resource inside the fort so that they have to leave. <laughs> yep. You blow it up sounds the walls, like somebody so. was just like, what would be a cool one word name for this right. episode? <laughs> yeah. Let's just use like this kind of military term. And the thing is, you can't you can't call it. Well, I won't say what it is because we don't want to spoil. Well, people have probably heard of it. <laughs> what what the facility is? You know, you don't want to call right. it the laboratory the front, or you, you're right, yeah. or call it the facility. Like, well, that's that's the mm-hmm. best level in uh, Goldeneye. But it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's going back. But yeah, that's yeah. So I I don't know what else you would. Yeah, I don't know what else you'd call it. I was just excited that I mean, to my many watchings of the trailer, I think that's it. For tr- for footage, mm. yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, and what's, what's really cool is like you know season one, it was more or less like that. But there was there were some clips, you know, not many, but there were some clips from like episode seven or eight, you know. But I'm I'm excited because like we're only halfway into the season and I know nothing mm-hmm. from here, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. <laughs> oh, Visual I, I have cues, feeling, any of it. Yeah, I have a feeling with the way this one ends, they could not show you anything else, or it would be way mm. too much of a giveaway. That's mm-hmm. what I keep. Yeah, and even, yeah, even our uh, I don't want to spoil anything else either too but one of our friends of the show i'll put it that way who who made a comment about uh you know like just the season blowing our minds and stuff so like some <laughs> insiders who have hinted as much but mm-hmm. so uh let's uh let's jump back into it i guess i i yeah um don't know don't know what the siege is but we'll we'll take it with uh we'll we'll go with that um we, uh, the episode did start with of course, baby Yoda trying to fix the the help Din fixes his ship, and we've kind of already talked about how cute and adorable and totally uh, not safe for for baby Yoda that was. <laughs> but needless to say, Din needs to go to Navarro to to get his ship repaired so he can continue to go on his search for Ahsoka. And so we we then swap to to see Cara Dune just really uh be be her be her best you know she's she's yeah. down in the, the 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 sewers and she's she's taken out all the thugs who have kind of camped out in the the old abandoned um mandalorian covert which i have to say that scene is so awesome because she does not draw her weapon until the very <laughs> last moment like yep. she clears them all out and the only reason she has to draw her weapon is because there's one still up and so she draws her weapon to take him out and then puts it away, and that's it. That's that's the only time she used her weapon in that whole scene. Everything else was someone else's weapon. <laughs> it was it was so funny too because uh, I I vaguely remembered that somewhere in I want to say I don't know August to October time frame twenty nineteen when they were doing a lot of the promo stuff you know for Mandalorian season one um, they had a panel and Gina Carano like they were talking just kind of you know banter and stuff and gina carano just said something about like yeah just that's you know that morning she was you know filming a fight scene in a sewer you know Mm -hmm. for season two and i i just was like okay well i know you don't die in season one (laughs) you know like my mind's just doing so but that was kind of cool because that's like you know this much later after i had seen that interview i was like Mm -hmm. wow cool because i guess they're i had heard some other things that they're either filming i don't know if they're filming now or they're in the, they're getting started with filming for season three because you know John Favreau was saying that with you know most of the characters wearing masks and stuff you know they, <laughs> yeah. and the volume they're they're able to kind of move forward which is just awesome so mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I was like that's this scene yeah yeah well and it, it really showcased her her physicality and her her wrestling background which was mm-hmm. the way that she was throwing those thugs around was yep was pretty awesome was anybody disappointed that 
one of those uh, Aqualicious didn't lose a limb like Panda Baba. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been hard to justify that one. Although they're they're in the torch room, right? So they could have tur- turned the uh, the Beskar yes. furnace on and yeah. made that happen if they had wanted to. <laughs> Might have been a little too violent at that point. Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, think really the, I think the first thing, like the big takeaway from that scene for me was just like, you know, well, okay, we pretty much would have guessed as much, but the armorer is, she's right. not there. She's mm-hmm. moved on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's probably going to show up again at some point. Yep. And I think it was important to show Kara as kind of the, the, the marshal uh, and she's, yeah. you know, cleaning up the city and apparently has done more in the sector too. Uh, in terms of just cleaning things up and getting rid of all the the crime. Um, I also want to point out that that would be uh, point number one of a connection with episode four. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Angela, that you you had just kind of made that connection. So um, there's there's a bunch of them. So uh, do, do my best <laughs> to, to continue to point those out. Okay, before we go too much further, she picks up a pet here too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the concept art at the end of the uh, end of the show, but in one of the pieces of concept art, that little guy can breathe fire. Apparently, oh, really? I missed so that. I'm looking forward to seeing that happen. <laughs> Sweet. I, I know on I don't remember Wikipedia or or something. It was it was called a lava meerkat. So nice. like. So breathing fire makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I I wouldn't mind having a lava breathing meerkat as a pet. <laughs> so they, uh, Din and Baby Yoda do land on Navarro. I was very happy that he didn't crash on Navarro like Trask. Uh, but uh, the Razor Crest is definitely in pretty tough shape. And Grief Karga and Kara both are waiting there to meet Din and welcome him to back to Navarro and... Grief uh, sets his men on repairing the ship, and there was the one, the one brief moment of ominous music and repairman that I was, I very much clued into that, that uh, something was going to happen with that. So do you remember, do you remember that species from Clone Wars? Uh, the Mimbanese, I guess, Uh or Mimban, which was... Um, that was a, a couple of episodes, but the one with, um, Krell, do you remember, um, Krell was like a really, uh, harsh leader and they had to overcome him. There was like a fight. Mimban was, you know, I mean, you know, Mimban is like yeah. mud world and stuff. And so the Mimbanese were, I guess, um, trained, because they could they had the ability to like hide really quickly in the mud so it was sort of like um kind of a sneaky sort of species i guess so it was you see those big eyes and you're like mm-hmm, what are you gonna be up to <laughs> you know? he's a sneaky guy <laughs> yeah fits his fits his personality uh we don't find out what happens to that until the end of the episode so we'll we'll wait on that and so Grief and uh, Kara are walking him through the city and the, uh, Grief is telling Din that Marshal Dune is responsible for cleaning up the town and they head off to one of the buildings and Easter egg here is uh, just it's vi- visible for just a few seconds, but there's a statue of IG-11. Statue of IG-11. Yes, <laughs> I noticed that. I was yeah. like, I told him, pause it, pause it, pause it. And I was like, what do yep. you guys see? And they're like white i don't know <laughs> like, just look at the statue it's it's right there so he's the hero of the town he's, man yeah. that's awesome yeah I, i'll tell you one of the things i really like he should be 
Right. Yeah. Cause he came in and, and took all those stormtroopers out. But uh, one of the things I really like uh, about this uh, series is that they're not equivocating about time. Like they, the passage of time happens in big chunks and they're mm-hmm. just focusing on the action. So they're letting a lot of the, yeah. the passage of time go. Cause it, you get the impression that he's kind of just coming back and it hasn't been very long. It's only been, you know mm-hmm. what, like three episodes for us or four episodes for us. But the it actual seems fact like a is while. it's been a long mm-hmm. time because they've been able to rebuild the city and all this kind of stuff. And then, yeah. and so it almost bothered me that the show handles the, the repair of the Razor Crest so quickly, except that you have to remember that it's doing the same thing even inside of the single episode. It's not showing you that days have passed. It's just mm. showing you that okay, here's this action point where, here's the information point where we get what we're doing and then here's the right. action point. But there may have been a week, two weeks in, yeah. that, in that spot there between the two of them. I can also sort of headcanon that, that uh, on Trask, there was maybe the major repairs that were completed and, right. mm-hmm. and so maybe they didn't have as much to do on Navarro. It's more you know, it still looked stuff. pretty beat up. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it still looked pretty beat up. <laughs> Well, and, and speaking of, of time, uh, what was really cool about this, this next scene is they go, they go inside this school and, um, they grief wants to just leave, leave the child there while they talk business and all the, all the kids start to talk and giggle, just like, just like any kid would where some, some <sighs> strange looking being comes and, and joins the class. And uh, I felt so sad. I was like, oh, I was that weird kid in school. Oh. Yeah. I feel for you, dude. Yep. He doesn't care at all. They just sit in there. He's like, <laughs> yep. And then he sees the cookies. Cookies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently, uh, French macaroons have made an appearance in, right. in Star Wars now. <laughs> Are they made? Is, is there a blue milk base? Right. <laughs> That's why it's so vibrant. <laughs> well, did you know that uh, macarons actually became popular because of two Carmelite nuns that started making them mm, in the no. French Revolution? No. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Oh, so wow. go look that up, wow. listeners. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool story. Um, but before we jump into that uh, adorableness, because there's some really cool things to point out there, but uh, the whole time thing, um, the first time I watched this, I'll, I'll be honest, I was less focused on Baby Yoda's antics and I was reading the, the captions because the, the captions are, are telling what the, the teacher droid is saying. Right. And, and, she, and the teacher droid was, was talking about the current capital of the New Republic is on Tr- Chandrilla mm-hmm. um, within the core and um, which puts it at the same time frame as roughly the, the novels of the Aftermath trilogy. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, we already knew that, but it but it kind of more solidifies it in that where uh, in later on, um, ha- uh, Hosnian Prime is where the, the capital is. But that doesn't it doesn't get shifted there until later. Mm. So and that's kind of another um, connection to the original trilogy, too, because I guess for people who are not like familiar with that name, that was where Mon Mothma was from. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, yeah. And pretty cool. And I think at this point. Uh, according to Last Shot, the novel, um, I think Han and Leia are living on Chandrilla as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where he was born. It's where. Actually, where yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. So just to kind of put this into to, I mean, they're not going to make an appearance in the Mandalorian, but that's kind of what's happening on the other end of the galaxy at, right at this point, which is which is just kind of fun to to kind of put it into that that timeline. 
And the, the teacher droid also mentions the um, Akadis uh, Maelstrom. The, the... Arcadisi. There you go. I down the pronunciation. That's <laughs> I was like, I that, know I'm going to have to pronounce uh, this later. <laughs> is, that the, is that the one from Solo? That I is the one from Solo. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's the one that surrounds Kessel and its, and its moons. Uh, so another cool connection to other, other star Wars things that I just wanted to point out. So I had to go back and, and then watch baby Yoda do his thievery. Well, and I, I like the, I like this, this scene too, because it's in the bar. It's like the former bar has Mm -hmm. been converted into the school. And then this is the second time we've seen a a town that's being reclaimed by a marshal and has Mm -hmm. school, you know, so Mm -hmm. they're very much getting into the. A concept of things becoming re-civilized after the empire leaves mm-hmm. so that's uh, that's a neat twist for the show to be kind of pushing into you wonder if while they're gone baby yoda just turns to someone he's like you know i uh i force pushed fire out of this room <laughs> and, you know just, just looking around like yeah but i can't i can't rewire my dad's spaceship <laughs> everybody's got limits that sounds that sounds like a quote for a t-shirt <laughs> i like the the focus on the schools though because it like yeah. you said it's been in two different episodes now and and just uh you know that that whole notion of 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 the children and the you know they're they're the future and and giving them a, an education and having that a, a an essential part of what what the people see is good for the community i think is a is a good thing for them to to point out and highlight so Baby Yoda is apparently going to do some learning while Dad, the the, uh, the Mando, is off to to do some work, and they go back to the to the office, and we encounter the Mithral from season one. <laughs> I like that he vapors too. Yeah. Like, that was yeah. so that was hilarious. a great addition. It just sprays out. It's like oh, okay, all right. Uh. <laughs> Well, I, oh, that that fear reflex is probably pretty high with <laughs> seeing Din walk in the walk in the office. Well, it makes me wonder if they had that 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 plot line planned for him or not. You know, or if it was just going to be a yeah. one off with Horatio Sands, because you know it, it felt almost a little bit like with Grief Karga, you know, where it was, and, and they said behind the scenes, you know, that he was supposed to just be in it and mm-hmm. die. But then they're like, oh, he works pretty well. And then it's like, oh wait, he had the the best car in his chest, you know, or in his vest. Mm-hmm. So. You know, he can come back. So I thought that was pretty brilliant because we never really knew. I mean, he was his first bounty in the show, Mm -hmm. you know, that Mm -hmm. we saw, but we never knew what it was for. You know, he's just the smooth talker. And so that that was kind of cool. I thought it made a lot of sense. Plus, it gives us more insight into Grief's character that he actually allowed Mithral to pay off his debt. I mean, you know, granted, I don't know how long Mithral lived, but that's a pretty long... uh, Payment time. <laughs> I tried but still. To, I tried to look it up, and there, I no, there's, there's nothing out there on the the species. So yeah, but well, it, I, have, I have a feeling from the way from the way they negotiate later, I'll just cut a hundred yeah, years off your sentence. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that there's any way that he's going to live for that whole <laughs> that well, whole length of time. And, and regardless, <laughs> um, grief Karga is not going to live that long, right? Right. <laughs> so <laughs> I found Mithral to be. He was kind of the the character that I felt was more like the eyes of the audience 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the everyman kind of. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I, I think that like all of us want to be Din or you know or Kara and like <laughs> just walk in and just command the situation and and you know kick kick the empire's butt and and you know, <laughs> but instead I feel like most of us and and I I can relate to this where it's like I'm I'm mithril where I'm I'm good with computers. But I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of heat. And, uh, you know, like, Lava. Right. Hey, but he's pretty handy with a with a blaster. He gets at least yeah. one stormtrooper throughout the course yeah. of this thing. You know, my, my wife and I laugh so hard at the whole There's no guardrail on this thing. <laughs> you know, OSHA problems. OSHA Cause, problems. Because there never is. You know, that's the whole, you know, like uh, God and yeah. Kylo, Ben out there. You know, it's just everybody. It's like, why? You guys can't afford a guardrail. Yep. The space station is massive. You know, like, come on. <laughs> that that's that's another uh connection episode four that i found where obi-wan goes to to yeah. cut the tractor right. beam and and is out yep. there crawling on on that without without the guardrails the i think it's the same display similar. too this yeah exactly yep. yeah yep. yep 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 uh so so mithral is uh, and i mean he's now yeah paying off his debt and he's but he's allowed to to come along for for this uh mission to to take out the the imperial base uh, as they think is is still located on Navarro, and that's uh, that's where the imp- that's where the stormtroopers came from. Season uh, the season finale of season one. That's where all the the stormtroopers came from when they attacked uh, the town. And uh, Kara and Grief want to remove the Empire from Navarro, so they ask Din for his help. And since he has to stick around and get his ship prepared, he agrees to to help them. And I was. Surprised at how quickly the mission went. I I sort of was just expecting it to to take a lot longer than it did, and <laughs> uh, it it really didn't take that long at all. Well, if their plan is to overheat it with lava, you probably don't have that much time anyway. That, mm-hmm. You know, so I'm just, yeah, I'm used to things in Star Wars just not working out as well <laughs> as that. <laughs> Ah, uh, but see if they work out well. That means that there's a tracking device involved. <laughs> True. Well, and there was always, of course, the twist of it's not an imperial base, and and right. you know, and then then it, they had to add some urgency in trying to f- get the information. But we'll we'll get to that because first they have to go scout this place out, and so they they head out there with Mithril Speeder, and they uh, they want to sneak in, overload the reactor, and escape, and that's that's it. So they get to the the Imperial base, and I keep using air quotes uh, for that, but that's what mm-hmm. they, they think it is. And Din manages to to get the lift working. He has to jetpack up to the up to the landing platform above. That's one way to put it, Father. <laughs> he manages to get it working. Get it working. <laughs> that was a great it was great comedic timing. It was like, hold on, like he, he flies up there and like <laughs> And then Mithral's just kind of like, what? What is this guy doing? You know, who? and then you just see this like stormtrooper <laughs> just like fall down, plunk, and then the door opens immediately. It's like, it's like okay. I don't even know. I don't know if like Kara and like Mithral heard it. I think, I think Grief did, doesn't he? Like you hear very faint, like laser blasts. He's like, <laughs> well, Karen, Karen and Mithril were still, still arguing about the, yeah. the little oh, yeah. blowtorch that he had where he's like, hey, this thing's rated for plumbing. You know, that he was, he was just, he is a great stand in. And I really like, I love the way that he's acted. And this, yeah. the, throughout the whole uh, episode, he's just a really good kind of stand in for us. Like you said, he's the everyman. <laughs> You're lucky I even brought this thing. <laughs> I always, like, I always loved him, you know, on, uh, when he was on Saturday Night Live and everything. So I just, it was, and I know he's like a big Star Wars fan. So that was just, it's it's fun to see him in this role. 
so they they take the lift all the way up to the to the landing platform and and then Mithral notices the the mint Trexler Marauder and is very happy and wants to knows that it'll make a lot of money on the black market if they were to take it. <laughs> and uh this is just another example of the Mandalorian taking all these like B characters and vehicles and making mm-hmm. them relevant, which yep. was which is just so cool. Um and Mithra would be another example of a character that's that's mm-hmm. definitely definitely that way. Um the Marauder comes into play later, of course, in the episode, so it's not just it's not just there for looks. So they do get inside the base and they they hit the command center right off the bat, which was the smart thing to do. Take out take out the communications. And uh they they take out the Imperial in there and they they shut off all the security feeds and they they sneak back to the entrance of the heat shaft where they are going to uh, basically overload the reactor and blow, blow the, blow the, the base to, to smithereens. All right. Before we get there, I, I just had this moment of wondering when, um, when Gina Carano was like choking the guy out, like she does that. That's, that's, that's the thing <laughs> right. that she knows how to do. Sleeper right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> as the actor having that done to them, like, you know, how was that? What was that experience? Like, cause I was watching it. And I'm like, huh, how, how tightly is she holding him? Does she, <laughs> cause she, she throws her weight around a lot in this series. Mm-hmm. He's actually a guy who just like really made her mad on set. Right. <laughs> <She> <laughs> <scrapped him. laughs> Or they just tell her, you know, go in and do whatever you would do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it makes you it makes you wonder how much that how much she had to say in in how that played mm-hmm. out. You know, and, and back to the sewer confrontation. How many of those moves were was she just like, here, let me show you what I can do and right. choreograph it that way. Uh yeah, she's 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 pretty awesome as this character. Um they get to the this the, the the door for the for the react where the reactor is and this was a fun thing i uh, they they have mithril slice the uh the mm-hmm. door which i don't know if that's been used in canon before i guess it probably has yeah. been but okay in the the uh sequel trilogy it has mm-hmm. okay several um, times okay because i because i remember oh sorry i was just gonna say um oh my gosh my uh dj his character he was a slicer from episode oh yep 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 um cool yeah i I, i've always liked that term because that that's that came from legends it's it's the equivalent of a hacker but in star Mm -hmm. wars they called them slicers so but the electronics version yes so they can they can slice electronics too so they can hack right right blaster pistols and everything right 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 uh so mithral slices into the this the door controls and opens the opens the door and then he is tasked to go out and drain the coolant lines, which is that, <laughs> that, that moment where, yeah, grief just commands him to go do it. And he's like, yeah, I'm afraid of heights <laughs> and heat and lava <laughs> and there's no guardrail, but he does, he does a good job. I mean, he, he gets mm-hmm. out there and, and slices yeah, a lot it. Faster and, than I would have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't think that I'm scared of heights per se, but I would, I would be a little more, uh, yeah, frozen on the spot kind of, kind of feeling. Well, I think it kind of gives lie to the relationship that he and grief have here that 
grief doesn't really hold anything over him. Like mm-hmm. you, you kind of get that sense that there's not really grief saved him from whatever his fate was, and he he owes that debt freely. The two of them just are never going to admit that mm. that he owes that debt to him. So he's paying it off, right? Right, right. And that that relationship is is fun to see played out in that mm-hmm. way. So he he does drain the coolant lines, and so the lava starts to 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 kind of bubble up, and and obviously going to cause the whole place to overheat and explode. And so they they begin their escape, and as they're going out, of course, this is where the the first twist happens. Uh, they encounter these imperial scientists who are desperately trying to purge their drives of all their data, and um, Din and the crew show up and take them out. But then they walk by these these pods that have kind of living organisms of some kind in them, very uh, reminiscent of, I mean, of, of <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, the Snoke mm-hmm. uh, pod, mm-hmm. cloning pod. So that that whole thing, of course, it's it's important to point out that those uh, those scientists had the same emblem on their on their uniforms as Doctor Pershing, and that's connected to Camino. Um, in episode two. So we're finally getting the plot on why the client wanted the wanted the child to begin with, why Moff Gideon wants the child. We're moving forward on that plot and and the find the Jedi and find Ahsoka plot is is not the one that's being focused on here. And I like how they're able to kind of weave both of those plots together mm-hmm. through the through this season. Well I think I just I want to throw out there too the I was looking this up like a week or two ago because uh, the Dr. Pershing thing was on my mind. Um, and I thought, you know, and that was neat because I, I didn't have any reason to believe he'd be in this episode. And there was all the speculation last year about his patch. And it was tricky because I, I was on board with that, but I, I couldn't ever really get a good look at it. But now, I mean, it's like I, I think it's pretty clear that it's it's the Camino, you know, sort of patch. And now seeing these other guys. And so... I think, I don't know if you guys had mentioned, I saw in the discussion somewhere, you know, we were talking about, you know, that whole thing with, you know, is, is the child a clone and all we have on that, as far as I remember, maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know Din brought that up to Quill. Mm-hmm. Right. Said something about, you know, I think he's a strand cast. And now in some of the, in canon, mm-hmm. I've heard in some of the books, they're officially saying that Snoke was mm-hmm. a strand cast, you know, right. like officially. But then Quill like immediately rejects it and just says, you know, no, I don't think so. I worked in the gene farms. You know, this one looks, he says he's too ugly. I'm like, says the ug, <laughs> says the ug not, you know, right. I guess to him, he's not, but he says like, he, you know, this, this one looks evolved, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, I guess that really obviously is one of the big things that remains to be seen, but yeah, you know. this, this raises all the questions about the child. Right. Uh, yeah. Dom, Dom was throwing out there the idea that what if, what if, Baby Yoda is a clone of Yoda because right. in the the transmission that Doctor Pershing uh, communicates to Moff Gideon, he talks about the trials that they're conducting and that they have some promising results, but the body rejected the blood, and so mm-hmm. he he doubts that they'll find another donor with a higher M count. Yep, I like how that, that does. Was, yeah, that was excellently played. It's <laughs> it's in it, but not in it. Right, yeah, we don't have to say the word. <laughs> Um, but everybody knows, yeah. But it was pointed out that in, in episode one, when, when Qui-Gon tests Anakin's blood, the, the mm-hmm. comments with Obi-Wan are, are basically, 
not even Master Yoda has a midichlorian count this high. And so, so the, right. the implication is that Yoda himself has, has a super high M count. And so that the question was, is, well, does that mean that baby Yoda is a clone of Yoda? Therefore, he has a high M count. And that's why Moff Gideon is after him. But Which, I think this, this actually brings up some really, really interesting questions, too, because there are some things that were that are said about Anakin and his birth, you know, from the force that it may have been he may have been a Sith exercise himself. Like he may have. I was been just going to bring like yeah. strand cast himself. So Anakin may have been a strand cast. And then then if this M count thing is all related to the strand casts, right? If they're all like these these genetic things, then Master Yoda has an M count, which means something, you know? And uh, Qui-Gon didn't test Anakin until after he found out that he had this immaculate birth uh, situation going on, right? So it's a really interesting thing to now know. We might actually learn more about Yoda mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. all of the things that are happening here. Can I come to the rescue for a oh, second of the people sure. that have no idea what we're talking about? Because I know there's some people out there who are like, what are you talking about? M count. Um, so for those like people who are um, not understanding what M count means or midichlorian, I think we use that word once already, that midichlorians are the, on, according to Wikipedia, which is a great summary, uh, midichlorians were intelligent microscopic life forms that lived symbiotically inside the cells of all living things. And when present in sufficient numbers, they could allow their host to detect a pervasive energy field known as the force. So in other words, if you have a high M count, then you're likely to be very force sensitive. Thank you. You well, may continue. <laughs> well, no, no. And, and I, I, cause I was just um, like, my mind started, I, I, I'm so glad Thomas mentioned that because I don't want to, I don't want to dare to hope too much, but by the same token, like, None of us ever expected, I don't think, or at least I didn't, you know, and I think most people probably didn't, you know, when that little green dude, you know, pulls that blanket down, you see the Yoda ears and you're like, what, mm -hmm. you know, like how we all felt like, you know, I never thought that we were going to see even the remotest like exploration of the Yoda species, you know, that's mm -hmm. something Lucas didn't even really explore. And so I, you know, I mean, what, what isn't possible now? Um, and one thing that I think is really interesting is remember, you know, uh, the child and Anakin are the same age. Oh, yeah, you know? that's true. So, that's very you know, true. so that because he's 50 years old and mm -hmm. that's, you know, at, at this point of the, the canon, that's exactly. And people pointed that out. So wouldn't that be absolutely awesome if we somehow get like, you know, an actual more canonical sort of Anakin origin story out of this show, mm -hmm. you know, Whoa. and a connection to the child. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like that's like you can do it. You know, I mean, I wouldn't trust anyone better than, you know, Dave Filoni and, <laughs> and John Favreau to do that. But, man, that would be that would be awesome. Well, if I can talk about the music during this scene, um, there is a little bit of the Kylo Ren slash First Order theme song in um, when they're talking about everything. The, ex uh, the track is called The Experiment. Um, and so um, some people actually were saying that I was looking on YouTube under this track and some people were saying that they could hear like the Snoke kind of theme in there mm -hmm. also. Mm. Um, I think that's just because of the, the men's choir um, kind of sound and sort of the low tones that they use for that. Um, but I, yeah, I think that was definitely intentional. Um, 
you know, yeah. a, a connection um, because of what we know coming into this from the last movie. Right. Yeah. Um, it's this is such a, a fascinating scene, too, though, because, I mean, as, as much as you guys have been talking about, it can it can point to the past and like Anakin's origin and even Yoda's species and origin. But it also has incredible implications going forward. And that's that's where the episode ends up going. And with the whole idea of harvesting force sensitivity from blood, which is a mm-hmm. incredibly terrifying thought for, for the Empire. It's, an, it's a terrifying thought, I guess, you know, but uh, so it's it's yeah, this kind of like changes everything. It it adds it, it from this point forward, even in the episode, it adds the urgency that Din has to get back to the child because it's pointed out that if they are to continue the experiments, they still need access to the donor um, they're referring to to the child. And Dr. Pershing is is uh, adamant that he's not going to disappoint Moff Gideon. And it's pointed out that the communication is only three days old which then finally tells Din that he did not right. kill Moff Gideon in the season finale. And I'd almost forgotten that I hadn't really thought about that in that point of the episode, at least I probably thought of it before, but the idea of like, yeah, they don't, none of them know, you know, which by the way, how hard would it have been as he flew over the crash site at the end of episode eight to just blast it a little bit, you know, <laughs> but nobody ever does that. No, <laughs> it's just, just fly away. Uh, well, he might have, but Gideon might have not, wasn't, wasn't there, you know, he yeah, got out and, and moved away from the, the ship. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, I love how we're setting up potential, you know, like we, we know we've got our, our, you know, Bo-Katan and team out there. Like, yeah, this is mm-hmm. all going to come back together and it's just, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, it's awesome well, to think about. Just in terms of, of, yeah, like the, the overall season, that's, that's kind of how season mm-hmm. one played out too, was like didn't mm-hmm. met all these characters, Queel and Kara and, yeah, and yeah. IG-11. And then, by the the two part season finale, all of them were brought back for that for that finale. So I think mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a strong likelihood we'll see uh, Boba Fett again, and uh, you know Bo Katan. I'm sure we're going to see them and that story play out, and of course we're going to see the Jedi as well. Hopefully next next week this week. So Din has to immediately he he fights his way out and he he's going to leave and. Uh, head back to the town to to make sure that the child is safe, and he splits off from the group because he can get back on his jetpack much much quicker than than the rest of them. So he, uh, I love how he goes to the heat shaft and just skyrockets up out of the the the, the volcanic air vent and shoots two stormtroopers as he comes out without even having seen. Them. <laughs> well, I I just got to say I love that I was wrong in the trailer. You know. You see him in the cave, the snow cave, which I don't want to talk about what happens there, but no, you see him in the snow cave and he does, he either doesn't have the jetpack on or it's obscured, mm-hmm. you know, just briefly. And so when I'm watching the trailer, I'm like, oh no, does he lose his jetpack? Like he just mm-hmm. got that thing. And then at the beginning of that episode is when he, you know, takes it off yeah. to give it to the guy. And I'm like, oh, there it goes. And then, oh no, no, it's just, he just left it in the ship or whatever. So I'm, I'm so glad like we're, you know, hanging in there with the jetpack. Mm-hmm. It's also great to see how much he uses it and how well mm-hmm. he is at using it because when he first yeah. got it you know he was he was a little rocky with it <laughs> uh but he's he's improved so din jetpacks back to back to the town and meanwhile the the focus of the entire well most of the rest of the episode is on the escape of of kara grief and the mithril 
And so they fight their way back to the shuttle bay. And um, amidst all the fighting, their quickest way to escape is for Kara to, to steal the, the Trexler Marauder, uh, which <laughs> I knew that was going to come into play. Oh, yeah. Well, I pointed out if you're not going to use it, right? Right, <laughs> right. Uh, which turns out to to work fairly well for him. Uh, you know, the, the the Empire had it all fueled up and, and ready for him. And so Kara goes in there and, and launches it. And uh, the other two manage to, to jump in and they they head off uh, into the canyon, promptly crushing the Mithril speeder as they launch <laughs> off speeder. of the Yeah, I, I tell you what, that this this feels this episode more than anything else that they've had, it feels like playing a Star Wars RPG. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've oh, played yeah. a tabletop version of Star Wars yeah. a few times and this is <laughs> hands down exactly like at least mm-hmm. one or two of the scenarios that I've run for people. <laughs> well, I love how they just, you know, you take the main character just literally jets out of the scene and he's gone for a good, you know, seven, mm-hmm. eight minutes and they just hold their own mm-hmm. so well, yep. you know, and, and we saw from gallery, you know, I just like the sincerity of of how much and like Gina Carano's you know, respect for Carl Weathers and everything like and it's just you really get the impression that they really enjoyed working together you know mm-hmm. and I I, I want to see more of them I was you know I, I'm not sure how that's going to play out but I, I'm sure they'll be back um, and so so this this scene too ended up being also one that connects back to episode four because it 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 plays out a lot like the trench the Death Star trench star run Mm-hmm. Um, no, well, and, then, and then even even uh, Carl Weathers uh, uh, the sitting in the turret seat, you know, yep. with the, the yep. picture from episode mm-hmm. four, yep. almost the exact same targeting yep. computer. Yep. Well, and even that it 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 kind of was an echo to the the trench uh, run, uh, but also just when they when the Millennium Falcon escapes the Death Star and they're trying right. to shoot the the Tie Fighters that are chasing mm-hmm. them. Well, and, and the audio engineering is so brilliant because every and I was mm-hmm. I was telling my wife too, like the really. I I love the first order ties like those are cool, but th- this uh, seeing an old school tie pilot, you know, original trilogy tie pilot, and the sound effects are identical. You know, mm-hmm. it's absolutely exactly the same cockpit, same sound effects. I mean, it sounds like inside Vader's, you know, in the trench. So yep. yeah, that, I love that. Well, yep. and I'm a I'm an episode six girl, so seeing the speeder bike uh, stormtroopers yeah. was yeah. so fun. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't really make it too far, though. But, but yeah, they were. <laughs> but they're a little more competent than just you know <laughs> yeah. foot soldiers. So. <laughs> well, one of them, one of them almost gets. Uh, he boards the ship too, and and almost uh-huh. actually, you know, <laughs> almost gets in, and then grief Karga takes him out. Um, yeah, and so it's it's after the the speeder bike chase that uh, the the tie fighters come into play, and they. I think grief manages to, to destroy one of them, but there's still mm-hmm. three others that are chasing them and they, they exit out of the Canyon and are, you know, flying down the, the open, the open field to, to try to head back to the town. And of course, intensity's high. They're not sure if they're going to make it. And then of course the razor crest shows up um, just like the millennium Falcon did in <laughs> episode four. Exactly. <laughs> um, but with quite a bit more, uh, seeing Din be the the pilot of that and take out the, the Tie Fighters, which was a really fun scene. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, the child he's was the best. Sitting there with the cookies, <laughs> like the little you know, yeah. cookies, and he's got his hands up and he's cheering. <laughs> it's a and roller love, coaster ride. <laughs> and like every again, like every dad ever, and then the whole like the you know turning around like puke, and he's like, yep. "Oh boy, <laughs> I got an what do you say? Like I got an onboard maintenance issue. Yeah, I got to right. work out." It's like dabbing him. You know, this is like me driving the other day, like reaching back for the pacifier. Like, just hang on. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have to say, I mean, and, and I know we keep saying this over and over and over again, but the, the, uh, the, the puppeteering of that just oh, yeah. was phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, it was, on. it was, it was gross, but adorable kind of all at the same time. Yeah. I, I mean, at least it was blue vomit and that that doesn't really right. it, i don't know it, it helped it somehow but it's cuter yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well i love how it's it's so it's so like a kid like they're having the greatest time of their life and they <laughs> have that vomit you know it's like <laughs> nice <laughs> they're still smiling and there it comes <laughs> just another day at the at the amusement park oh yeah <laughs> Um, so, uh, grief gets on the comm with Din at this point and wants to buy him a drink, but Din of course can't stay because he doesn't want Moff Gideon to, to have time to, to show up and, and, uh, try to take the child. And so he, he wants to get going. And then we have a scene where the, the new Republic captain Carson Tava shows up, which I love him. Uh, <laughs> they have been showing up more than I expected. Yeah, I think, you know, you were talking about how all these characters are going to come become more relevant in the end. And I think that's what's going to happen because they have Captain Tava Carson talking about how, like, you know, in the core, they don't believe that Mm -hmm. what's going on. But these are not isolated incidents and there's something happening here and we have to stop it before it's too late. It's like that's definitely foreshadowing that they're going to continue to show up and do these kind of routine, you know, questionings and, and then. At the end, I think mm-hmm. maybe the New Republic is going to play a part in whatever happens with Din. Mm-hmm. And that gets back to this, you know, like J.J. Abrams, you know, early, early on, like I was seeing this in like 20, I don't know, 13, 14, like when you started hearing the first whispers of Force Awakens and the concept of, you know, I think if you did the analogy here, it'd be like almost like this dude's on patrol, you know, in like Argentina, you know, in like 1950. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's... There's a lot of like, you know, suspicious behaving German dudes here. I noticed, you know, mm-hmm. like that kind of like, you know, these these guys who like these Nazis who got away or these in this case, you know, these Imperials. And it's like, you know, we're back here at the core, you know, kind of rebuilding stuff. And it's like, we need an effort out here, you know, because it's right. these guys, they're not giving up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, the resistance hasn't started yet. Right. So right. The, the resistance no. from the sequels hasn't been started. So what you have here is the seeds of that, the people yeah, that are uh-huh. seeing what's going on and that are starting to, you know, go, okay, we do need to resist this return of the right. empire because it's not done yet. Yeah. Right. And to, to, to piggyback off that, uh, when, when captain Carson is talking to, to Kara, the music in the background is a, is a version of March of the resistance. So, so definitely, yeah, yeah this is, I mean, Ideally, I think the New Republic wanted to be, you know, like the Empire's gone, the New Republic's here, and peace and stability to the galaxy is here forever. And uh, I don't know about you guys. I, I did get a little riff, though, off that father with also like Rogue One. Maybe I'm, it, it seemed a little similar to that. 
two, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. in the context of talking to her about Alderaan, you know, I mean, Rogue One at the core of that whole movie is the Death Star, you know, the mm-hmm. first one. And so I, I don't know. Yeah, it was a real legacy track, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and looking forward to so. Yeah, so th- this is definitely planting those seeds of of what will become the resistance. And I mean, even like Leia, you know, she was she was heavy heavy in the New Republic. Um, she's a senator um, in Bloodline, the one of the novels mm-hmm. that takes place after after this time frame. So I mean, she was instrumental in building up the New Republic, but then she also becomes instrumental in the the resistance. So, mm-hmm. I, yeah, this is this is just all part of that you know, grassroots seeds of, of the resistance that are going to, that are going to come out, which is, which is cool. And they really make us wonder if Kara is going to join mm-hmm. because at the beginning she says like, oh, I'm not a joiner blue, but then they, as they're, as after he leaves, after Carson leaves, then the camera kind of like slowly stays on her and kind of like, uh pans out and and you kind of you know you see yeah. that look on her face like she's really thinking about what he, the last thing that he said to her you know i'm sorry for your loss um and it sort of is planting the seed like wow i did i did lose everyone that i love to this you know evil mm-hmm. this group of people That's and still so there. right yeah well and but i think for her there's a growth away from just revenge because if you remember right. when din tries to get her to help him in the first season she's like no not interested you know blah 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 and the moment he says you know they're not you know i forget if he says they're they're not like warlords or whatever they're imperial she instantly is like i'm in mm-hmm. you know so mm-hmm. it's just like uh, it's all about getting back at what they did to her but it's it's like now it's like well that's always going to be with me but there's something beyond that maybe i'm reading too much into it but i i, I kind of get that impression from her like now that she's actually in this sort of smaller here's a catholic term subsidiarity right Mm -hmm. like she's in her immediate community here cleaning Mm -hmm. things up now Mm -hmm. there's like this well uh, we need to do this on a bigger scale too you know yeah she's sort of found a purpose through navarro hasn't she Mm -hmm. yeah and i I think that's that's actually super key in her character growth because if if she Mm -hmm. was still just uh bent on revenge she wouldn't have become the marshal and cleaned up the system Right. Right. You know, so so this is this this is definitely Kara in a in a more um, in a better position in her life. She's she's moved away from revenge and is on to to rebuilding the community and 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 wanting to play a role in something that's bigger than just herself. So it that could be very easily foreshadowing uh, a new republic uh, join up in the in the future. Um, The other thing that I wanted to point out in regards to the to the new republic troopers is they're, they're sort of he's pointing out that he's found all these isolated incidents and he you know he he thinks that they're connected um and so far the razor crest is the connection between all of them at least the ones mm-hmm. that we've seen you know with the mm-hmm. prisoner right. they 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 saw the razor crest and, and knew that it that was there and then on the the ice planet um and then even on navarro uh, even though grief tries to sort of say, well, tran- you know, the transponder logs are, you know, they don't really work out here and, and this isn't Coruscant, but, you know, but they, but they at least recognize that where, where Din is involved, these incidences are not, are not just random, but there's, there's something going on. So yeah, I fully expect to see, to see more of them in, in the, in the future episodes. Um, and then we get to the finale part of the episode, which is definitely the most ominous uh, so far. 
the we go to Moff Gideon's Imperial cruiser where there's a comm officer that gets uh, informed by the repair alien that the tracking beacon was planted on the Razor Crest. Another episode four connection there when they plant the tracker on the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. And also that underbelly shot of the ship at the beginning, which was beautiful. <laughs> yep. And I was like, that has to be, it looks like a practical model that they used. Oh, I wouldn't to be shoot surprised. That. Yeah. It was so beautiful. I was in shock. <laughs> um, but so this comm officer goes to inform Moff Gideon of that. And uh, Moff Gideon is informed that Din does indeed still have the asset, uh, Baby Yoda. And that they will be ready for him. And then he surveys what looks like some new form of stormtrooper. Ah, the dark troopers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's a deep dive. Yeah. Yep. Well, the Calcatarn ones were, I believe they were um, actually droids. So yeah. there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's different. There was a comic book series, though, that used the concept of dark troopers being stormtroopers that had been been imbued with the the dark side of the force mm, okay. this is all this is legacy stuff so it doesn't yeah you know, doesn't count anymore but <laughs> may it's count like it <laughs> again right <laughs> well. so they're kind of pulling some of this old legacy stuff to put back in now this would be a new spot because the dark troopers in the legacy were pre were uh pre-rebellion i think even mm. so it was uh kind of where the inquisitors fit in okay. with the with the rebel series uh, so similar kind of thing there. Just, he didn't use full Jedi. He used these troopers that he had infused with the dark side of the force. The Emperor did. Uh, did they look similar to what we see? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because well, you, you, what you see of them, yeah, you only see like a, right. a, mm-hmm. a, a small frame in a, in a comic book, but mm-hmm. they are, they look like almost like scout troopers, but in black armor. Okay. So that also matches what the um, Star Wars Dark Forces, the video game, how they right. look. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Yeah, just because I'm thinking here, how how many people would Palpatine let in on his I'm on the giant like, you know, <laughs> video game claw game thing on Exegol, you know, <laughs> making Snokes? You know, I don't I don't think but mm-hmm. my, my guess would be, you know, Moff Gideon is is this, you know, committed. Mm-hmm. Imperial, who's who's trying to make you know, carve out a space. He's like, no, sorry, here, I'm going to quote Django Fett. He's just a simple man making his main way in the. In the world, or making his way in the galaxy, no, but but um, that's that that would be my guess. You know, at first I was thinking, oh my gosh, like Snoke, First Order. I'm not so sure. I, I think this might be like he knows about he knows about the Jedi because he's got the dark saber. Mm-hmm. There's this Mandalore connection. There, you know, he's also uh, very so, yeah. He's I mean, in in the last episode, I mean, uh, at least it's implied. You know, long live the Empire. I mean, so right. I think he's he's doing this for the glory of the Empire. Not not himself or not, you know, for his own, his own power, but he's still fully, fully invested in, in having the empire reclaim its position in the galaxy. The empire seems to be very big on emulating what works, right? Like right. the the Death Star work. Let's make another one. Okay, the the, the Death Star two. <laughs> Death I mean, Star didn't two. Work, but, you know, let's make Starkiller <laughs> base, right? So the, the clones. That's where the answer was, right? The clones were the the thing that worked. So let's make some clones <laughs> and well, let's yeah. just improve on them this time. Let's make them bigger and better. <laughs> you even see that a little bit in uh, Force Awakens with uh, the little back and forth between Kylo Ren and Hux. You know, and Hux threatening mm-hmm. that you know your maybe your troopers aren't that great. Maybe we'll need some you know a clone army. Mm-hmm. You know, so still this. Well, yeah, there, but there, there's also a question there. Are um are they making clones 
or are they just trying to take blood from baby Yoda and inf- and transfuse it right. into already like cuz they're even at the end of the episode or no Dr. Pershing had mentioned in the communication that the volunteer right. um for this will die if if we try to continue without more blood from the donor so right. so who's that who's the volunteer <laughs> yeah you know so i i'm sort of shying away from the idea that they're trying to clone yeah but i think that they're just using using information from the cloning process to try to pull the right the the m count and the 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 biological sort of things to try to to make it work so i i don't think yeah. clones are are because the clones i mean they worked but they also i mean with with their super accelerated um, age, you know, it. They're, they've all pretty much. They're all old by this point, and 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 I don't know if they have the time to invest in in a whole new batch of of clones, mm-hmm. right? Well, you know the so the volunteer is not Moff Gideon, so that's about <laughs> right. right. That's about it, you know, because yeah, he's the one the messages he, to. He, so he would want to make sure that it it works and doesn't kill you before he becomes a volunteer, right? But they could very well be his target since he does have sure. the, the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. 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 All sorts of... Uh... Or maybe he wants to take over Mandalore and mm-hmm. then infuse all of the Mandalorians with the M-Count blood mm. and make them into his kind of like... Super, super soldiers. S- super soldiers, yeah. That Just is a, a thought. Yes. That, that is, is a that. terrifying thought. <laughs> Den needs a he needs some competition, man. He's he's now that he's got the jetpack and he's a little better with the with the <sighs> armor and he knows how to recruit forces to his side. You know, he's pretty much invincible at this point. So you got to throw well, some more struggle against him. <laughs> and I think you know it's such a quick moment um, that you don't well you notice it because it has a big impact. But in episode eight from season one. You know, they're fighting, you know, like all this awesome like choreography and Moff Gideon just you know, da, 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 strolls out one shot precisely at like where to hit Din under the helmet. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not mm-hmm. like he's not even wearing anything, mm-hmm. you know, right. which freaked me out because like just, you know, that that vulnerability and that shows obviously that knowledge and, and that kind of thing. So what else does he know? You know, mm-hmm. mm. cool. Well, I think uh, we can't really answer any of the, the big questions yet. So. Um, do you guys have any other random thoughts or anything from this episode? I just want to throw one quick thing out that I, you know, it's Carl Weathers, you know, as grief Carga is totally his own character, but I really feel like there's kind of this little bit of an homage or hat tip to Lando going on. You've kind of <laughs> got like the style, he's got you, the know? Flair, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, but, but he's not, you know, it's a very different character. He doesn't have like that smooth talker kind of, you know, um, scoundrel kind of thing going, but but the the also like the kind of like you know guy with a shady past who's now you know uh, a responsible respectable administrator and you know so it is it is kind of a little tip i think to that so i got i'm i'm getting a kick out of that part of his character and he's making an honest living you know we go back to those black yeah. market weapons like instead of mm-hmm. taking the black market weapons to sell them he just wants to destroy them he wants the empire gone yeah he knows that the stuff's there. He's like, no, we're not taking anything. We're blowing it up. It's that's well, that's I mean, he's, he's not he's not talking like head of the bounty hunter guild. He's like, I want them off my planet. You know, like this right. is like mm-hmm. and we don't all we know about him, I think, is is when Moff Gideon's saying their names and that big kind of twist at the end of the first season. And he just calls him like, a, you know, disgraced, you know, disgraced magistrate, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like with no like, OK, here somewhere else, you know, like right. he had to come here and this was the only job he could get. But, you know. So yeah, that that I'm sure we'll get more of that filled in over time too. I did have um 
we heard the Wilhelm scream once. <laughs> and yes. so that's another tie to the original trilogy, sort of. Yeah. You know, and, mm-hmm. and many other movies. But then there were also a couple of spots where there were not Wilhelm screams. They were like new, right. but also very iconic <laughs> screams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, and actually for anybody who doesn't know the Wilhelm scream, um, that's a, cl- a scream that's traditionally used in, in movies uh, once sort of as like a good luck charm and a kind of an inside Hollywood joke uh, that started in the 1950s. But um, Skywalker Sound has actually uh, chosen a new scream for um, for ever since after. So I think the first movie that they made with the new scream, which they have not identified officially, is um, Solo. And then from Solo on, they're using some oh. other scream in uh, Star Wars and so we have to, in we have to other Disney it. properties. <laughs> yes. So people, there are a lot of people out there who are trying to identify what's the new Wilhelm nice. scream. Um, nice. And so anyways, but so that was one thing. And then the other thing was um, Admiral Jeff Blue Jeans, who was the <laughs> yeah. cast me- the uh, cast or not cast member, crew member who was in the background um, that I'm sure all of y'all have seen. If you're watching oh, this, you've man. probably seen it online. Um, but yeah, I looked on IMDb and the name what was on there, Admiral Jeff Blue Jeans, played by <laughs> Sam Winner. Whether well, that's his nice. name or not. That that Kenner, like that fake Kenner action figure. Yeah. Is it fake or is that real? Someone's oh, gonna make it. I'm sure it's fake. <laughs> it's probably made today. The, the, well, but, it, oh, I my mean gosh. Yeah. There somebody had had photoshopped a like a three uh, D printer to the rescue. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the hand and the leg kind of behind the behind the wall as a Just, as a Kenner uh, so. uh, action figure. I think he's like, he can, like, I don't know if it's an Apple watch, but I mean, it's a very specific like, wristwatch. It's very obviously oh, not, not fitting the Star Wars universe. That's for sure. The thing is, so is if, if they did make it, it would sell. I mean, people would oh, buy it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, you know that's, that's the, the, the Cam Tono thing, like the next phase of, of something that was not originally planned. But right. I, yeah, and I, and I'm just absolutely amazed that, uh, I mean, I did not notice that the first time that I watched it. No, no. It's. I mean, it's a blink and you miss it sort it's of sort very, of thing. Very fast. Yeah. I was watching for it too because you know I, I saw you guys post it before <laughs> I even saw this episode, and I was watching for it. and I was like, wait, 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 go back because that's got to be the scene. You know, I, I saw them in the, the the organization that they were in. I'm like, go back. Okay, yeah. there it is. <laughs> yeah. But whoever caught that, good eye. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's one scene we didn't talk about that I wanted to. That was them eating the soup. And I thought that was really, I'm not sure what we're supposed to take away from that just yet, but coming on the heels of the episode where he learns that his way, the Mandalorian way of mm-hmm. like holding, the, holding onto the mask all the time, uh, it was very interesting to see him eat with the child mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to be raising his mask and then making a point of kind of the child yeah, looking at like, him under the mask. Well, yeah. yeah. So the child knows what he looks like. It's not, but he also, you know, he ha- didn't, hasn't taken it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's, there's still a view there. Right. <laughs> and I mean, having, having a mask myself, that it, it's way easier to use a straw than it is to try <laughs> to like drink or anything. It's, <laughs> They had a great one of those, um, you know, how it should have ended things, you know, for for Mandalorian. <laughs> and it was like so funny because it's him. Well, they had two things that I thought was hilarious. It was him in episode or in the sin. And he's got, you know, that, that quick scene when he's with um, Dr. Pershing. And he's like, you know, what did you do to him? And then it's just like, you know, 
30 seconds later and he's like what do you mean the emperor's still alive like he just keep, he keeps like going further and further he just keeps shooting troopers as they come and like learning more information that would really be good to know but then they show him like it's the scene where he takes the helmet off like you know in the sanctuary episode and then it just cuts over like everybody outside like look you know and they all look over in the open window and he's like oh, you know scrambling because he's right there with his face out but i thought that was funny like uh, someone's someone's got to have seen him right no. not very practical but it is the way <laughs> okay well i think that's it from us uh there is just one other bit of listener feedback that i wanted to get to and it actually relates to the whole uh, din not taking off his mask um this comes from c by zand on youtube and i'm sorry if that's not how you pronounce your youtube name but i'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it but he uh said I disagree with the possibility that Din's group, the Children of the Watch, uh, is incorrect. And so I'm assuming that he means he disagrees with us about the possibility of the group being a religious cult. He said, I see them as a Benedict option or even um, Hasidim to compare to Judaism in the face of a failing Mandalorian society that then falls entirely to the Empire. A group of followers of the Mandalore break off and take up the ancient ways and live communally, caring for those within their society. The part about the helmet is a rule, a religious institution that protects the collective and empowers the one. By never seeing their faces, Mandalorians are faceless, a la the faceless one in Game of Thrones. This ensures that all the outsiders ever see is the Mandalorian. And it empowers the wearer because his enemies see a people, an army in one helmet, even when alone. Add to it a deeper consideration. The rule of the helmet is a promise. It is a promise of, well done, my good and faithful servant. He is not expected to wear it forever, just as long as he can. There is life after. True, it may be because he is an invalid or because he is too old, but then he becomes one of the elders who passed down that teaching. Din even hints about the elders being among the covert. Also, it seems he could take it off for love, but then he goes into the covert never to emerge again, it would seem. However, the rule makes it clear that the helmet is both protection of his people, a symbol of their strength, and a promise that as long as he wears it, he will defend, protect, and reap for his people. Which I agree with. I think that's a, it's a good observation because yeah. you see anytime they reference him, anytime they talk to him, it's like he's got this the whole weight of the legend of every Mandalorian ever mm-hmm. on his shoulders, which is a, a blessing and a curse in in many cases, but... You know, he lives up to it as well as he can. And that's because he's got the mask on, not because, you know, he comes in looking like a particular person, but that he is the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I would say that, I mean, uh, that it's totally a, a valid way to look at it. And I mean, reflecting even um, Angela, I think you had kind of brought this up last time when we were talking about it. And, and I and I thought this was a, a good way to approach it, too, was um, the, the the issue I think that we were pointing out is that he doesn't have a a knowledge regarding the Mandalorian people in general and their ways Mm -hmm. because he even assumes that Bo-Katan and her group are not Mandalorians because they take off their helmet. And that's because he doesn't even recognize them or he doesn't know the larger Mandalorian culture in general. Um, He also lacks the knowledge of Mandalore, uh, the planet. And that just sort of suggests a more cut off cult sort of hidden uh, knowledge attitude rather than, um, necessarily being trying to break away from what is wrong with our society to to be you know go back to more what's more traditional so we shall see we yeah i mean either way we're <laughs> we're rooting for them all so they're mm-hmm. all they're all uh, good guys in our in our view anyway 
So that is it from us for this episode. And of course, listeners, what did you think of the siege? And definitely let us know or email by emailing us or commenting on our Facebook and Twitter page. And you can email us any and all feedback at starwars at sqpn.com. And you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media and on Twitter at sqpn. And as always, we would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including this week, Alan P., Doreen M., Randy S., Andrew P., and Cody. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And just a reminder that we did record our holiday special, and that is going to be released exclusively to patrons first. So if you do want to become a patron, um, visit the same site, sqpn.com slash give, and you can listen to our uh, holiday special early and join in on all the fun and uh, be a be a patron and, and support us in what we do here at StarQuest. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss a single one when they release. And you can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player, app, wherever it may be. You can also subscribe on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just be sure to click the bell for notifications. Also, please be sure to share, like, and uh, retweet and all those things on social media when you see our episodes post because that helps us get the word out and spread the show to more people who would be interested in hearing us talk about all things Star Wars and our Catholic faith. You can find previous episodes of The Secrets of Star Wars at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And until then, we will be... Uh, we will be back next week when we will be discussing the fifth episode of season two of The Mandalorian. And so until next time, Mike Creevy, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. That's my pleasure. Thomas Sanherjo, thanks for joining us this evening as well. It's great to be here. And Angela Cialana, thanks for joining us. It was great. Now I got to go find some blue cookies. <laughs> And once again, I'm Father. Uh, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. <laughs>